Let's go live with Jack Kelly. Welcome to the one-of-a-kind LinkedIn live show that will help you with your job search and advancing your career. We will bring in educated career experts who will share their insights and give you inside tips on how to be successful in your job search. Now let's get into today's show with your host, Jack Kelly. Hey, so thanks. Thanks for coming on. I don't even have a name for my podcast yet, Ken, so I got to figure this out. Okay. But, well. but what's more important is you know, just trying to do you know, what you're doing is helping people, mm-hmm. giving good job advice, career advice, because that's really the key. And yeah. I'm glad you're here because, you know, I see you everywhere. You're a man on a mission. So I thought it'd be great to learn a little bit more about what you're doing, sure. how you came to this, any great advice you have for people. So when they listen to this, they're going to say, my God, this guy Ken is a guru. I love what he has to say. You're a guru too on Forbes though. So let's, uh, <laughs> I don't know about a guru, but I try, man. I try, but you know what it is? It's interesting, Ken. I, I've only been doing, I've, I was writing for my own blog uh-huh. for, 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 you know, a long time, but just, I enjoyed it. And then someone at Forbes noticed and said, Hey, do you want to write for Forbes? I'm like, sure. And I found that I really have a passion for it. I really enjoy doing it. It's, it's, I would say it's probably what, probably one of the best parts of my day. Mm-hmm. I'll come into the office early and I'll write first thing. And yeah, so it's really cool how you could find something a little later in life and say, wow, this is pretty neat. Yeah, definitely. It's kind of how I feel about what I'm doing now too. It, 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 that's why I brought it up because it does seem like, so how did you come to career coaching and well, I lost my job many, many years ago. Okay. 2008, 2009. During the financial and crisis, right? Well, like everyone else. And yeah. It took me all to get a job. Once I got a job, um, I started doing consulting and I realized there's very few people who really know how to network and how to actually do a job search because of all the information they've been given. You know, there's so much wrong stuff going on out there. So the fact that I'm a job was in transition, it gives me a little more credence when I talk to people because I get it. I uh, totally understand it. Doesn't make it easier sometimes, but yeah. all of a sudden, people are coming out of the woodwork to be on my calls. I'm like, oh my god, this is like weird. It's it is wild because yeah, you have you know a big audience. I I've been, I've been on you know your calls and and there's so many people there and it's really informative. If you don't mind me asking, what did you do before the financial crisis? Did you focus? Was was your kind of career one? Well, the ironic thing is, before I went into IT, mm-hmm. I was in media. Okay. Wrote for newspapers. Then uh, internet came along. I figured, hey, this is like going to be a really cool thing. So I went into, the, into programming and development. And this is like a perfect opportunity. This is a combination of both. Communicating, understanding the technology. But it's just so weird how few people really get it. With whatever it is, what and even what you're doing. I mean, you're you're you have a passion, you just go for it. Because what's the worst thing that happens? I say that all the time when you reach out to people. What's the worst thing that can happen? They say no, but they don't respond. Correct. Isn't that it's one of those pieces of advice that so sounds so obvious, but for a lot of people it's hard to do. But if you do it, it, it kind of opens up so many doors. Yeah. Well, I became an introvert. I mean, I am an introvert. For really? Some. See, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get that, that's that at all. I'm one of those people when you went to a, 
a networking event, I'd be against the wall. I kind of really? talk to someone. Oh, absolutely. Hated them because I just didn't feel good about myself. So that became a brand. I'm an introvert, which I am. And so many people resonated with that. So then it became like LinkedIn for introverts. You know, it's just a cool thing. Yeah, I am how an introvert. Many, how many people, like percentage-wise, what percentage do you think people are introverts compared to extroverts? Well, here you have to define what an introvert is. An introvert okay. in life, someone who's like a, afraid to speak up or something. And then there's an introvert when it comes to networking. Mm -hmm. you know, people are just like afraid to put themselves out there. They're afraid right. to take chances, but they may be intelligent. Right. Most of us are introverts to some extent, except maybe with our families. Right. And we're more extroverted. But it's, it's not so much a title as much as people just understand it because they feel that way. And now since COVID, there's so many more opportunities to connect and it's easier. You're at home, you don't have to get dressed, you don't, um, you can be yourself. But it's, it's, it, it is so cool because um, I don't know if you know who Brenda Miller is. I recognize the name, but I don't know her. Brenda Miller has a thing, um, a Miller marketing. We met on a call and um, we just started in touch and she's got a thing called the LinkedIn rock stars list, which she added me to eventually. And next thing you know, things went out, went, went all the way, all over just by the branding. So it's interesting. So prior to the financial crisis, you had some technology, you had some writing, you had some digital online marketing experience. Then when I guess it came a time where you felt, all right, how can I rebrand myself or how can I reinvent myself? You're able to put all those pieces together. And then it sounds like you're able to use all those skills, a little bit of knowledge of technology, a little bit of writing, a little bit of, um, you know, online digital marketing. Plus also it, it kind of coincided with, unfortunately, or fortunately how these things work out with this whole pandemic and people losing their jobs and needing help. And you can empathize because you went through it. So you know what it's like to lose your job, to be in between roles, to having to find a new job, how to, as an introvert, how to try to force yourself to network and get out there. So it sounds like you have all those skill sets now that you're using to help other people. Is that kind of how, how it's playing out? I would say like, you know, for a long time, the longest time I tried to get noticed and be looking for jobs and putting myself out there. And then one day I said, why don't I just do it myself? Yeah. What do I need? To, to do, and this is a great platform, LinkedIn, to do all that. Um, and there's so many people out there that do similar things to me, but we don't call ourselves competitors. We call ourselves collaboration because it's a competition. <laughs> collaboration, okay. It's a, it's a, there is a such word, collaboration. I never heard that, collaboration, okay. It's a combination of collaboration yeah. and competition. Okay. You know, think about it. You've got a bunch of people doing a really great thing and what we all do is we, we try to one up each other, but we'll collaborate. You know, it's no different than anything else. Now, how, where would you put yourself? Well, let me take a step back first. Yeah. You know, for the last like 25 years, I've been executive recruiter, you know, mm -hmm. run a search firm. So my world is so different than your world. It's just, I would say only within the last, what, six, seven, eight months, you know, when the pandemic started and I started recruiter because, and to be very transparent, you know, recruiting slowed down for the obvious reasons. Mm -hmm. And my kids are older, you know, they're in college. My wife has, you know, her life. Right. So I find myself, all right, I, I should do something to be productive. So I started Recruiter 
to get a platform to get people together and do we meetups. And then there were, unfortunately, I was already writing for Forbes for a while now. So then I really tailored it more for job oriented, career search oriented to help people out to give them some advice. So I stumbled into this world, you know what I mean? In, in that, because of, of what I was doing, but I didn't realize how big it is. And, and I mean, has it always been like this or it's just been a, a recent phenomenon because of what's going on? This is what's happening now, which has leveled things off. In addition to people being out of work, there's a bunch yeah. of recruiters that are out of work now because there's no jobs. Mm -hmm. So they're out looking. So one of the things I started seeing early on to job seekers that were like venting and how come I'm not getting called back and all right. this, that be empathetic. You don't know what anyone else is going through. Be so yeah, yeah. empathetic. Because we're all in this, I hate to say we're all in this together because it's kind of a BS line, but you want to figure out a way to be supportive. The whole thing with ghosting and all that stuff, it's out there, I get it. You know, not getting callbacks and, and, and the like, but you, you just keep moving on. You don't just wait and wait and wait and vent. I mean, venting is okay once in a blue moon, but do something, anything. And it's a little thing. I'll say to someone right off the bat, first thing you want to do is organize. Get organized. Use the weekend to organize what you're going to do that week. Have attainable goals. Do the follow-ups. Job search is not Monday through Friday, nine to five. It's whatever time you have to do it, whatever makes, whatever works for you. And I think these days, especially, um, but it's, you know, it's little things that I tell people, you know, like texting is big these days. You know, as long as you get permission, text someone, don't call them up, don't email them. Most, most people are okay with that. I mean, it's, it's just thinking outside the box, you know, with different things. I mean, your experiences are different than, than mine. So you when you were a recruiter, how did you feel when um, people reached out to you? It depends. With a recruiter, it's a, it's, a, it's a different world because, um, and this might help people who are listening because I think a lot of people don't really understand recruiters and their incentives right. and what they're about. So it, recruiters, the vast majority can are contingency-based. That means you basically eat what you kill. It's a very cutthroat business. Right. You'll have a company, let's say like Morgan Stanley, will say, hey, Jack, we have a role. And, and my company will focus on compliance, legal risk, audit, financial controls, anti-money laundering within Wall Street banking, finance, hedge funds. So they'll come to us and say, hey, we have a role. They'll talk, you know, tell us what it is, the compensation, what they're looking for. But then they'd also give it out to two or three or four other recruiters. Then they'll also have their own in-house talent acquisition looking, and they'll also post the jobs online. So there's a race to find the right candidate. If you get the right candidate and you place them and they stay at the job for a certain period of time, you get a commission. If you don't, you don't get anything. You put all the time, effort, and energy in, and and bupkis, nothing. <laughs> you, you end up having nothing. So to answer your question, with with recruiters, what happens is this: then, it's a very, it's it's, the incentive is to find the person who has the exact experience for the job at hand, and if they do, you're going to give them the time of the day. And to answer your question, when you said, "What would you do when they call?" If they have the right background, the right experience, I'm like. Yes, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I love you. You're yeah. great. Pink uniform, the pink unicorn thing. Yes. You get that, that impossible position yes. to fill. 
Yes. And you're like, you have no idea. That's such a great feeling when you have that, when you get that right person and they're within the compensation range and they're normal. And, you know, you, you, you have a conversation like you and I are doing maybe back in the day, it would be in person. And now in this new world is online. And you're like, yes. But then if you have people who aren't right, and this is where I think people get so frustrated and get so angry and so hurt because if you get if, if you if you don't have the right background, the right experience when you're dealing with a recruiter, you're just going to assume that recruiter is a jerk and blowing you off. But it's really they don't have it. And a lot of recruiters have big egos. And I don't mean to be talking out of school and getting in trouble with the recruiter community, but they don't say they're not transparent. They don't say, hey, Ken, you're a great guy. You have great experience, great background, but I don't happen to have a job right now that fits. So I can't really help that much right now, but we'll keep in touch. But instead of saying that, and you alluded to this earlier, they just ghost you. They don't say anything. They blow you off. And that leads the job seeker to be like, what the hell just happened? Why am I getting blown off? Am I not good? Is this guy just a jerk? Am I never going to find a new job? Recruiters, this is what recruiters complain about. They, they complain about people who don't show up for interviews. Oh, that happens so, too. <laughs> but, but I'm saying, so, so it became yeah. a one-sided conversation. And yeah. I actually wrote a couple of things in an HR journal. I said, it's a two-way conversation. You yes. want to be respectful of each other and understand. I mean, it, it, and there's different types of recruiters too. Most people don't realize that. There's the corporate recruiters, the ones that you say are, are contingency. And then they're the ones that send out 300 emails. They don't really have a job per se, and it's not personalized. And who knows where they're calling from? It's a strategy, Ken. What they do is this. They look to find this great candidate. And I'm not disparaging it. No, it's neither a different I. style. Where they'll, they'll send out and they find a great candidate. Then they'll try to shop that candidate to di different companies. But I don't know. It works well for, for some, but I've never saw that as a really long-term kind of thing because most often, and maybe it could be just the industry I've been in, is that they rather have you know, a contract with you and they want you working on yours and they don't want you just sending it because nowadays they get so many resumes, it's overload. And that goes to the idea of networking. So the other thing that I'm up against, a lot of people talk about is I've got 75% of the skills, but I'm not financial. I'm not farm, yeah. but the skills are transferable, but these are, these, are, these are closed fields. It doesn't matter. You have to have that exact experience. And that's one of the things that a lot of people I talk to struggle with. I could do the job, but I don't have that Yes. One thing. Ken, that is so frustrating for job seekers because, and I can tell you just from my own personal experiences, when I'll, you know, I'm working on different assignments and I'll share somebody and maybe they have seven out of 10. They're like, mm, can you keep looking? All right, eight out of 10. Well, they're good, but you know, can you keep looking? And it's rough. It's, it's they want to find, like you have everything and you can just fit in neatly. And most people don't have that. And it's, and it's tough. It's bad because a lot of times candidates, and you probably hear this too, they'll tell you, hey, but Jack, I have the skills. I could do it. I could learn it. And you know they're right. But you know the company's not going to give them a chance. Which is so, it just, it's, it sucks. <laughs> it's really bad. This is my argument back. With all the time and energy a company spends to look for someone, that perfect person, they could have had someone who they would have been able to train and have them on the job. Yeah. Hey, Ken, can I take a, can it just sure. kind of rewind for a sec? So yep. when you said about you have that, come wait, what was that word? Comp, competent, wait, what are you, your? It's called collaboration. Collaboration. How would you, if you had, because it seems like you do different things. Like what, so for people who are looking for your services or need your help, 
how would you define yourself? Or do you not want to, it's, it's more open-ended? Well, Are you a career coach or how? What I talk about is I talk about the fact that I work with introverts. I also mm-hmm. talk about the fact that having been in transition myself, I understand differently what people are going through. But I'll also say at the same time, I may not be right for you. And, and I'm not gonna force myself on you because there are some people that will that do resume writing. There are some people that write someone's LinkedIn profile. That's not me. I know people that'll do it. And we, we do this in, co- in the same way. Uh, there are people that are resume writers that will recommend, recommend me and vice versa. Because we understand that. We know what our sweet spots are. We know what we can and can't do. I mean, I could do it, but not to the extent that I would feel comfortable, you know, charging for it. I mean, definitely give some free advice. What would you say for people who need help? What what type of folks should kind of contact you and try well, to get in touch with you? Basically, people that are stuck, I would say okay. right off the bat. You know, you're stuck, you're doing the same old, same old. And sometimes you just need another conversation or someone just to speak to about what's going on. I mean, I, I do consultations all the time, free consultations and Sometimes it's that aha moment that you don't realize when you're stuck going through it. Um, the fear, you know, a lot of job seekers, you're insecure as it is, you're afraid, you're vulnerable. So besides me, there's a lot of great support groups out there. You know, you have one, I have one, there's lots out there. I also recommend someone, people get what I call the job search posse, which is a bunch of people, three or four people that you can all work with, will be honest with you, and who will support you, people going through it with you and can share leads and share experiences. So when you have that kind of helping you give someone a consultation, kind of help them get through, break through some of the things holding you back, would then you take them on as a client, like a yes. career coaching client? And, and, and I guess you would have different programs that you would offer depending on. Right. One would be a, a, a whole overview of the LinkedIn profile. Mm-hmm. Some people have very little. Others, it's about you have a good profile, but you have to really learn how to leverage it and network. Because again, most people don't realize on LinkedIn, you can do this two different ways. You can market yourself one way in the profile and you can have it um, recruiter friendly the other way. And most people, they want to do one thing or the other and it doesn't work that way. Recruiters don't care as much about what you put in your featured section. They don't care about what you're sharing, but they care about things that they can search for. But at the same time, you're marketing yourself to people who might know people right. out there. It does seem to me from the outside, yeah. and I could be wrong about it, that seems to be your forte is LinkedIn and how people could maximize it for their job search to get noticed. Is that a fair statement or? Yeah, definitely. And it, it isn't even so much, you know, when you pay someone like myself for someone else, you're not paying for, I don't have a secret sauce per se, but I have the experience and others like, like myself do. Right. Little things. I mean, LinkedIn is, I always say this, it's, it's their, um, their ballpark. We're just kind of playing there. We're just, uh, so it's what you do to leverage it. I think most people don't realize, maybe not as much now, but LinkedIn mobile is a, is a much, is an important way to network. When we used to go to in-person events, we'd have our, our phones out. It's not as much now, but the first thing I'd say to someone is, you know what you want to do? Feel what, what do I want to be when I might grow up when I grow up? Because if you don't know that, you're going to be spinning your wheels. And most job seekers now are stuck. They're lost they're in one field, they lost that field, they have to go to another. And they just have to have a level set. What are my transferable skills? What, what do I want to do? This is almost as good a time as any to, to try something. 
So what would happen? So someone come to you and usually maybe they lost their job, they're in between jobs, something happened to their career. They may be in a sector that just got demolished and like, what do I do next? And they really need somebody to really in part be a sounding board to say, hey, here's where I am, what do you think? And then for you to work with them to kind of break through and say, okay, can I still go back to my field or is that maybe a dead end? Can I pivot somewhere else? It sounds like you kind of really give them the guidance. I call myself a Dr. Phil. of. I listen to so many stories. Yeah. And it's not being judgmental. But at Mm -hmm. the same time, I'm thinking to myself, you know, and we all think this way, really? But again, it's, it's it's the experience. Most people don't realize that they're their own worst enemies as job seekers. They shoot themselves in the foot all the time. It's so interesting you say that because I agree with you so completely. Can, can I tell you something? Sure. It's interesting. So um, Andrew Seaman, the uh, the guy who has, I guess, which I don't know his official type, but is a LinkedIn news. Yes. Right. Yeah. So so he did a survey. You probably saw this, right? He did the survey about the breakdown of people, what they're doing, and it was eye opening where the numbers were such that they're not networking. They're not even telling people they're out of work. They're not contacting people. And we would talk here in the office, like scratching our heads sometimes to say, I don't get it. You, know, you have this person who's out of work, they've been out for a while, and they don't seem to be like championing their own cause. And like, and, and, and Ken, I'm being very honest. It's, it, was, it really was like, so I just don't, I couldn't get it. And then when I saw that article, I saw this study, I'm like, all right, I get it. It's like this inertia of being embarrassed because I'm using his words, you know, um, being embarrassed, being ashamed, feeling awkward, losing self-esteem, and they're just pulling back and they're doing the exact opposite of what they should be doing. And it sounds like you see the same thing. I see it and I see it. I mean, there are people who are, who've been out for a while. There are people that are just coming back to the workforce for all different reasons. And they're going with information they had 10 years ago. Yes. And that, that even five years ago, it's different yes. now. And you have to be up and you have to be out there. But out there doesn't mean sending out lots of resumes or making tons of calls. It's just kind of being, um, having, a, having a, a plan. I mean, some people get jobs very quickly, others don't. And sometimes it's luck, but sometimes it's just knowing what to do. Do you think too, that because we had a hot market for so long, some of those skills atrophied because you probably hear this too. I, I, I would hear all the time from uh, you know, job seekers, hey, you know, I never had to use a recruiter or I never had to worry because I'm well known in the industry and I'd always get a call from a buddy saying, hey, we have a job over here, you wanna come? So I never had to worry. And I wonder because a lot of these people didn't have to really hit the pavement. They never cultivated those skills. And now when they need it most, they just, they don't, yeah. they lost. But you can pick up a lot of stuff if you go online and there's training videos and YouTube and things just to help you help yourself out. I just think most people, more than in the past, so many people are out of work now that have never been out before. Mm-hmm. And so they're really stuck. I mean, some people haven't looked for a job in 10, 15 years. Yeah. So it's a much different mindset. But I think, and I alluded to it before, you got to be Dr. Phyllis. You got to be simple. Yeah. Um, because what they're feeling is real. 
it may not it may not make sense to other people, but they're feeling it. And you know, you go through life, and maybe this is guys more than anything else. You got to smile all the time. Things are fine. Things are fine. But deep inside, uh, yeah, our society. How are you doing? Great. <laughs> How are you doing? Wonderful. How are the kids? Fantastic. Yeah. A long time ago, and it's true. So men and women communicate differently, not better, but differently. Yeah. And so when you talk to people, like we're saying, hi, how are things going? Great. And if things suck, yeah, you're not going to know it. Yeah. They don't say anything. They lie or they don't go outside. They don't even go, they avoid. See, and that's the thing what you're, I think you're, you're referring to is that they don't even go out. They, 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 they pull back at the very time there should be out there saying, Hey, well, you know, Ken, I'm glad you asked. Well, I'm in between roles. Maybe you could help me out. But they won't do that because they're ashamed, they're embarrassed, they think people are going to talk about them. And everybody, you know, let's say you're on the soccer field right. with your kids, and that means okay, all the other parents are going to know now. I don't want them to know, and it's it's rough, and it's a human I thing. Tell you a funny story: 2008, 2009, I lost my job. One of the first, and I think volunteering is very important. I decided to volunteer for my son's PTO. Mm -hmm. I had time to do it. Right. So I'm the only guy there. A bunch of women. Right. And they said, well, you know, Ken, we're going to make you the technology chair for the school. Okay. You know what the technology chair did? All he had to do was make <laughs> one phone call to make sure that, that we got something computers. <laughs> okay. But on the, on the LinkedIn profile, I'm the technology chair of this large school district. There you go. <laughs> there you go. You got to love that, huh? And it was funny because I thought I'm going to do these things. I'm going to redo their website. Right. No, we just want you to make a call. We have everything else done. It's 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 interesting how that plays out. And did you feel uncomfortable at first that no, people look at you funny or no? Because they thought it was cool to have a guy actually interested yeah. right. in what was going on in the schools. And and I was to be honest, the God truth is I felt much more comfortable talking to them mm -hmm. than I did talking to other people because a lot of them um, they were home and we were I was like a Mr. Mom for a while, unfortunately, you know, how to make the dinners, mm -hmm. how to run the errands so we were talking about stuff like that like do you know what's on sale this week at the store did you try this recipe i mean it's it's weird but that kind of changed the type of person i am i think because i i got those insights i mean i'm it, it helps to get out of your comfort zone which for me that definitely was it really is like if you live in certain towns it, it does have that you you know your your identity is tied up with your career and if you lose your career, you lose your identity and you lose your identity. You just want to hide. And, and it's, it's terrible because like you're saying, then you're not really helping yourself when it comes to searching. Like, how do you, how would you draw people out of that? Because it is a thing and it's a big thing, right? And I think it's, it's a big roadblock for people. Well, a lot of the times, I mean, the people in the groups, most of the, and it's not just guys, they're, once they start talking, and the first one of the first meetings I had was just an open dialogue. Just want you guys to talk. Right. And, one, and then it became much more productive that way. Instead of like, here's a speaker, listen to the speaker, any questions, bye. It's it just, a, it's important for people just to let out their concerns. I think, you know, for me especially, um, the hardest part was um, getting back into it after I was ironic. I was out for a year and a half. And for me to go for a job after that, it was like, Oh, so hard. Yeah. Um, but think about it this way. If you and I have a cup of coffee, we're going to have a cup of coffee. We'll be out in a few minutes. Women have a cup of coffee. It's ours. I mean, it's, it's not, it's not men as a negative. It's just the definition of things. 
I'll be there a long time. I, I, I talk a lot, Ken. So okay. uh, I'd, be, I'd probably, I'd, I'd probably be, we'd probably be there for a, you know, a while. And I don't mean that in any negative way. Oh yeah, I know. It's different. What I'm saying for an audience, it's the fact that mm-hmm. when you understand the mindset, yeah. whether it's a job seeker as another person, you also, you don't put a, a label on someone just because the person has certain backgrounds. And I always say this to people now, just because you're out of work, you are that person. You haven't lost the skills. You've lost the place you're at, the specific, you know, the physical or the, the address. Don't let it define you. Your skills are out yeah. there. I had people in my groups and then I started the group that way. I said, anyone want to do a presentation? Do it to the group. And we have people who are out of work every week doing presentations. I said, it's practice for interviewing skills. It's practice to see what works and doesn't work. And we're going to be kind. We're, we're not going to criticize you. And that's how the whole thing actually, actually started with the weekly events. Different people who were all out of work for a while, honestly, just started you know, um, presenting on what they could do. And that's what led to this, actually. And then people started finding out about it. So the first thing, and now I, know, I could really understand what you mean about the Dr. Phil thing, is that you have to really be empathetic and understand and listen to the person, what they're going through and hold their hand with the idea that they're kind of going through a crisis. And, and I agree with you. I think men will hold it in more, generally speaking. So you have to get it out of them because I guess if you don't, it's going to be really hard to get them to move forward because they're carrying this baggage, this guilt, the shame, and I guess you have to deal with that. Our society, it's the mindset that we've built into. I would say this, yes, you want to be a doctor, Phil, but at some point there has to be tough love. I mean, I I have people that keep emailing me, can we do this, can we do that? And at some point, I'm happy to help, but you got to do this on your own. Yeah. Um, I'm there to support you, but you got to try things out. If they don't work, try something else. No, no worries. I mean, what's the worst thing that can, I actually had someone who wanted to apply for a job. I said, send a LinkedIn message to the CEO. I mean, what's the worst thing that happens? They mm-hmm. say no. And she got a response back. I said in the message, see if you can get five to 10 minutes of, their, of that person's time. And she got that time and now she's interviewing for a job. And no one would think to do that. You're so afraid. What's the harm? Do you think, just like here, do you think it's, they're afraid to do that or because let's take this environment. You have COVID, you have the health issues, you're stuck at home, you lost your job. You don't know if you have another job. All you hear is doom and gloom that it just, it just kind of, I don't want to say destroys you because that sounds too harsh, but you know what? It really kind of, it makes you have self doubt. Do you, do you think that's a big part of it? Or it's just, that's how no. they are. And they have to learn how to Here's the thing, a lot, of people, a lot of the CEOs, and like they're home too with their kids. Yeah. School stuff. This is almost an equalizer. Yeah. Um, again, no, there is no one size fits all to doing this. I mean, whatever what you and I do, different people have different needs. We can give them the guidance and suggestions, but I think you want to feel good about yourself. And when you're insecure, when you're in that bad spot, it's hard to pick yourself up. But once you pick yourself up, I always say have an attainable goal. The attainable goal is, is to do five LinkedIn connections in a day. You've, you've done that goal. Don't make the, the goal, I want to get a job by the end of the week. Just build on things, you know, whatever they are. 
and enjoy and, and celebrate anything you do. Mm-hmm. It's going to have to be job search. Um, I always say to people also, give yourself some time off during the day to do whatever you're doing, lunch, whatever. Just block the time out. Don't be in front of the computer or, or job searching every moment of every day. It's just um, you, it's, you lose after a while. But these are just things, some of them are, they probably make sense to us, but when you're in that spot, yeah, a little bit harder. So, so it sounds like the, it's a combination of things so far, yeah. what we're talking about. So, you know, if somebody is going to look for a job, first they have to figure out what they want to do, have a goal. And then within the goal, you have to have a system in place. So you can achieve that goal. So you have to have the steps to do it. And then you have to be focused on those steps to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. And part when you step in, if they seek your help, is really to maybe work with them and get to understand what they're going through emotionally, mentally, spiritually to help them out. But then, as you point out, there comes a time where you have to say, okay, you know what, we work, but I can't do this for you. You're going to have to now summon up <laughs> the strength, the courage, and just just do it and, and, and try it. And as you said, what's going to happen? Worst, someone doesn't take your call. Someone doesn't get back to you an email. All right, you know, so I, I, I'll use the example of a risk reward. Mm-hmm. You know, the reward is, hey, that CEO that you talked about takes your call. You have a great conversation. You know people in common and oh my gosh, this was perfect. And, and yeah, you get a job out of it. Worse, the worst, what's the worst that can happen? The CEO, you have a conversation and he thinks you're, you know, Jack, you're a moron and hangs up on me. All right, that's the worst. That's not so bad. I'm gonna live, <laughs> I mean, okay. You know, that's all right, if that's the worst, it's embarrassing, but I'm going to move on. So then it sounds like you really then kind of try to get them like a kid. You want to go, okay, now you got to go out there. Come on, go out there and, and make it happen. I'll help you. I'll be there in the background, but you got to go. And, but then it seems like you do a lot of work. At least this is what I, I notice: a lot of work on your, like your zoom calls, but then also a lot of LinkedIn advice. Is that, is that kind of part of the career coaching or that's kind of a separate thing well, you do too? That's part of it for a lot of people especially people down on their profiles, what they've done as opposed to what right. they do. I mean, that's the big mistake people make. Well, someone looking at your profile doesn't care about what you did. They want to know what you can do for them. So that's how you really have to parlay what you do. I don't care what you did 20 years ago or the last year. I want to know what, how you can help me. Um, and I think it's not intuitive to most people to think that way. Um, take what you did somewhere else and build on it. We had a call yesterday and it's little things now you don't realize. It's even from a technology standpoint, we're all on these calls. What happens if, what happens if all of a sudden you, you lose a connection? And what happens if the sound isn't good? And someone actually made the suggestion, have a plan. If something goes south, take off, um, take your picture off. See, see if it's okay to reschedule. I'm not saying make that suggestion right off the bat, but be prepared for anything that can happen. You know, the, the freeze on the on the call or something. Um, these are different times, and it's an equalizer in some cases, I think. It really is. Um, the ones that get jobs are the ones that just keep at it and are not afraid of the failure. You know, you're going to get a no. So then Marty Latman, one of my good contacts, says every no you get is going is to get you closer to the end. That, that's exactly recruiting. That's, that's the joke we would all say to each other. Not the joke, but like to motivate you on. It's like, okay, this person didn't want to take the job or this one didn't want to go on the interview. But every time, all right, you're due for a yes. You're getting almost there. You're getting closer. You're getting closer. You know, you're going to get that yes. 
It's almost like the unemployment rate is either zero or a hundred percent for each person. It's, it's not that it's not the federal you're either working or not. Yeah. It's, you don't you don't want to get caught up too much on stats and things, but you know, it's not it. The hardest thing, and I said it before, is job seekers have to get out of their way and get yeah. out of the, the stuff that's holding them back. You, you, if you don't mind asking, where where did you grow up? I grew up in. Um, well, I was born in the city. Grew up in New Jersey. Been in New Jersey just about where, my whole life. Where where, where in the city? Um, right near Yankee Stadium, actually. Oh, like in up in the Bronx? Oh, the reason I ask you, I grew up in Brooklyn in a place yeah. called Canarsie. Mm -hmm. And you have that New York, and I know you're in New Jersey now, and so am I, right. you know, but you have that New York practical, like, it's, it's, a, it's a vibe. It's a thing. Like, I think you could pick it up on other people where I, I've noticed a lot of people no bullshit, no like dancing around, no like, this is what you got to do. You don't have to use fancy language. Like, and this does not say anything negative about any career coaches or anything that. You'll hear like certain like, and you hear this in all corporations, all big corporations. So let me, let me qualify. In all corporations, all these jargon and buzzwords to make yourself sound smart and whatever. But like, I think a Bronx, a, a Brooklyn pre-hipster, because I grew up before it became hipster and it was all cool. Was, um, you, you didn't know it. you need that. It's just like really old school. Here's what you got to do. Here's what you, <laughs> that's it. And, and it's, it's funny because sometimes that's just the best advice, the practical, like the pra like the advice you give me, I'm listening to it. Yeah. You know, there, there's no flowery language. There's no jargon. There's no acronyms that you're throwing around. There's no, no magic. I hate the term elevator pitch. Such a stupid term. Wait, I, I'm sorry. What was that? Term elevator pitch. Yeah, yeah. Okay. The whole idea of you have to make 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 a point while you're in the elevator and all yeah. that. It's just it's a just talk about yourself. Yeah, yeah. Forget if you have 15, 30 seconds. And you know, and the other thing is when you talk to me, tell me in a general way. I mean, if I'm IT and you're not IT, you're not going to get what I'm saying. You're not going to understand it. Um, even networking. Networking is meeting people. I mean, let's let's let's. It's just about simplifying in a lot of cases. People are just so turned off by the words at times. I think having conversations like this, I have them all the time. And there's there's no motivation for me to get business that way. I just want to talk. And if it works, great. If not, right. it's, you know, it's the way it is. Yeah. And do you find some people are attracted to that philosophy and others just get a little, like, they're not used to that? And I've gotten shocked. People have been shocked after the you can try to sell me something. I'm like, well, <laughs> that's not what I do. Right. Because people are so used to being sold. Here's my right. service. This is what I do. If you want to hire me, great. I'm happy to, but I'm not going to start running you down and running after people and doing stuff. That's not the way I, I operate, and it's not the way most of us do. Yeah. And it sounds like you really enjoy what you do. I do now um, because yeah. – um, I feel passionate. I mean, I'm a yeah. pay-it-forward guy. I mean, I've been doing this for a long time, but I, I love the sense of community that this has come about from this. This is not just um, going to a place where 60, 70 people are there, and it's like, this is like, you can do one-on-ones, and people feel so much more comfortable on a Zoom call, believe it or not, more than in person, because they show off their Zoom backgrounds, they show off their personalities. I mean, it's hard. It was hard for me to network on um, lot it's gotten easier but still i still get overwhelmed when it's like tell me about yourself you really want to know about me it's it is it's funny how some people have such a hard time doing that uh 
I offered to help people. And I want to try this out, see if this could be kind of a, I don't know, kind of a business thing where uh, do like an elevator pitch where people could have, you know, a video elevator pitch. And then I, I was really surprised that it was so hard for people. And I know you don't like that. I know you gave me grief, like that. but it's so hard for someone to say, tell about themselves in a, in a, in a really like concise way. And I'm like, wow, if you can't do that, that's gotta be so tough for you to interview and try to get a job if you can't really communicate. So if that. I were to say to you, let me learn a little more about you. Mm -hmm. That might be an easier way to go about it. Yeah. Learn about you. Do you think yeah. they get stressed when you say elevated pitch or something like that? And then they see, you know what? You're right. Cause like when I did that, dude, you're so right. You're so right. Now it makes sense. Cause I'm thinking about it. When I was speaking to you, I'm, I'm saying it more like, okay. Cause I'm so used to when I'm speaking like as a recruiter, you speak to people, they, they just automatically say, Hey, here's what I do. Here's what I do. Blah, blah, blah. And, but when you ask them directly, I guess they freeze up like, uh, I, because you have the 30 second clock. To yeah, 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 yeah. 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 All right. What can, what can I use instead of that? What's like a good term? Just tell me, tell me about yourself. Tell me what you want to do. Well, I'd like to learn about you. Yeah. I mean, yeah. The point is it, it's not, it's not, if you spend a minute versus two minutes versus yeah. two seconds, you've got to feel comfortable. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And it's just a little, we've been given so much information over the years. Sometimes you have to just disregard some of it. I, I bust your chops. I, I admit I do. Um, and you probably bust, bust my chops and that's okay. Because do I, I don't mean to, do I? I oh, don't, but, I'm, but uh, even, you know, my favorite person is Lauren Grief. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't know if you know her, but I met her at a networking event. She is a total extrovert. Mm -hmm. I can't keep up with her. <laughs> yeah. You know, she's talking on the phone. She's having a cup of coffee. She's moving around the room. Um, I was dizzy. But we started <laughs> talking and we realized we yeah. complement each other. And sometimes you need to have someone like that. That's why having That's a job search buddy or posse or team yeah. helps because you all complement each other. And when I'm done, if you don't need me anymore, go with them. You know, they're going to become your friends. They're going to become your, your best contacts. I think that makes a lot of sense. I saw there's some some group out there. I want to say the quad group. I don't know if I'm saying there's it right. Quad, and I, I just that, started putting quad. And that's what they do, right? Like they put four yeah. people together. Four people together, you've never met. Although the first time, two of the people I knew, I didn't know that. Yeah. But there's all these different things. You're in a room with four people or three other people. You have 30 minutes to talk about anything. And it's scary. It, but then again, they're scared too. But what's what? But if they, I don't. Is there is there a benefit if like you have nothing in common and there's nothing you could help each other out except just make a new friend? Is that? No, but it's it's practice. If you're going to interview, it's practice interviewing. Oh, just, okay, it's just practice. Okay, that's what it is. Another person, okay. and seeing how they are, and it's just going to get you that much closer. When I interview now with someone on the on a Zoom, it's a lot harder in some cases because I can't see what they're thinking. I can't. Yeah. See um, it's, it's weird. I mean, the funniest story, and this actually happened to someone, someone said that they were having a phone call with someone. And then at the last minute, um, the recruiter said, let's just have a zoom call. Mm -hmm. And the guy wasn't prepared. He had his flails on. He, has he, had, on? Had, a, he had to run the other room and get pants on. I said, <laughs> well, that was one of my first lessons. I said, always be prepared for a call or anything just in case. Yeah. And just because you, it was funny the first time, but it does come in handy that way. Be prepared for anything. That's good advice. Where, where do you see this this going? Like moving forward, I mean, to me, it seems we're going to probably be stuck in this weird 
unemployed, under, underemployed gig economy for a while. Do you have any thoughts? Yeah, I see a lot of platforms that are trying to, that are out there trying to do things that LinkedIn, LinkedIn doesn't do as well. Um, um, setting up dashboards. I mean, I don't know if you know what Lunch Club is, for example. I've heard it, but I don't know. Lunch Club is one of those things where you, you set, you, you create a profile, you set up people, the type of people you want to meet with, you follow up with them. It, it's, it used to be in person, like in the city, you might go somewhere after work. I see a lot of these one-off type groups to do this. And then when they need help after that, when I join those groups, I can become the add-on or you can become the add-on. We have so much experience that we can share. And most people just rely on doing a search online or something else. I think it's the personal touch that makes a big difference these days, honestly, to be able to see someone and talk to them. And you don't realize behind there, the people I've met, some of the people who I thought were like special, really top great people, they're great people, but they're human. Oh, sure. Often, they've got stuff going on like you do. And you, once you get rid of that aura, they're on a different level, you realize they're just like you. And that's one of the things, it's called imposter syndrome that's out there. You know, don't be afraid to be who you are. And if you don't know something, ask. Don't try to, and I'll ask all the time for advice. I'm not above that. I don't know everything and I would never claim to. I, I agree with you. I, I have no qualms about asking questions. You know, I, I was interviewing for an article I'm writing, this woman who worked at Amazon, placing people who are, they're, they're literally rocket scientists putting satellites up in space to service internet for underserved areas. And I'm like telling her, you know what? I have no idea. I'm gonna sound like a third grader. So don't, don't laugh. And I asked her the dumbest questions because I don't know anything enough about it to even ask a smart question, but I wanted to learn and understand what it was because it was so interesting how in a time of doom and gloom, you have places that are doing cool stuff like that. So, you know, I, I wanted to write about it because it's so interesting. But yeah, no qualms about like, I don't understand how any of this works. Well, think about 2008, 2009, Facebook came out of that. Instagram, all of the things that we use now. Yeah. So good things will come out of this. I wish someone would, and there's things out there, think about what you would like. If you could have a voice activator remote to do anything in the house with the TVs or anything else, instead of trying to deal with stuff, that would be great. There's a lot of things that you can try to come up with. I mean, and things are out there now too. I always allude to the Jetsons. You watch the Jetsons and the things that are on the, on the Jetsons, they're you're here now. It's not the future like hundreds of years from now. It's not may, maybe how it was imagined then. Flying so, saucers the drones, you know, the instead of the picture phones, it's you and I talking, yeah. all that stuff. Really, do you see yourself keep doing this or do you think you'd want to use technology and maybe kind of figure out some sort of niche app or what have you within the space? I, I would love to build an app for what I'm doing. I'd love to create a dashboard and I probably will in my spare moment. Um, I think one of the things that's missing is most people, there are so many different places people are going to for things you want. You want to be the place. Right now there's so many places out there, but there's always going to be, be a need for what I do, unfortunately. It's just that it may not be for someone who's in transition. It may be someone who wants to uh, passively look for a job. And that's a different nuance too. That's what I was doing before this all happened. People were coming up to me saying, I want to look for a job, but I want my boss to know. How do I do it? And 
ways to do it. I mean, that was the way it was before this happened. The job, the economy was great. People would go from place to place and kind of like the 90s, dating myself a bit, but same thing. You know, it's interesting. See, I kind of think, and I, ho I hope I'm actually wrong about this. I, I, I think we're going to be heading into a, a place where there is going to be this chronic unemployment, underemployment, lots of layoffs and downsizings, because it just seems that's where we're headed. You know, it, it just seems that just like after, you know, 2008, 2009, it took a bunch of years to really dig out from under it. And this is, I think, way, way worse. So I got to see it's going to be much larger. But this is the opportunity that most people can have to try to figure out what they want to do. Yes. If you don't have a job, make a job for yourself, do something at home, figure it out because you have the ability to, and you have the time and you have the resources, which is hard for most people to get. Um, jobs will probably never come back the way they were. And I don't want to be a doom and gloom guy either, but um, technology has changed. You're going to be working from home a lot. You're not going to be in the office. You're not going to have to deal with that stuff, but the skills that you have picked up over the years will serve you well, no matter what. You know, it's not the technical skills. Technical can be learned. It's the other stuff. Mm -hmm. I agree with you. It's almost like there's this feeling that during this time, you have free reign. It's like, turn back the clock. If we had this conversation three years ago mm -hmm. and someone would say, hey, I'm leaving my safe, comfortable job or I got downsized, but I'm going to do whatever. I'm going to create this app. I'm going to do this. You might be like, all right, but why? You know, you had a good job. What are you doing? Now it's almost like, Hey, go for it. It's, it's a, I, I don't know if you feel this way too. It almost feels like a game changer. It feels like a yeah. cultural shift where it's more of, you know what? We realize and I don't need, need to get too heavy here, but it's like, we realize life is so fragile. It's finite. Mm -hmm. And what am I doing with myself? And this is, do I want to do this for the next five, 10, 20, 30, 40 years? Or maybe, you know what? Let me try something else. Maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't. Let me give it a shot. And I can it almost has that feel to it. You also have a lot of people who are resistant to change. It's, so it's not everybody. I would say there's a large portion who are just still hiding under the covers and just freak the hell out. But I think there is a, a decent enough portion that like, hey, let's try this. Let's try something else. Let's let's do this thing. Like you saw, I was like, all right, I'm tinkering with having a forum. I think I, I met, you know, I mentioned that to you. Uh, so far, it didn't go anywhere, but I'm trying. <laughs> I'm tinkering it, and I don't feel bad that it's not going because it's like, hey, it's almost. Like this is the time when you could try anything, try, fail, try, fail, try again, fail, doesn't matter, learn, figure it out and keep moving forward. And that's cool and it's acceptable and it's applauded. So that is for a lot of people, if they viewed it that way, I think it would make their lives much easier. You're going to fail at stuff and you accept that fact, whether even with what I'm doing, I've, I've had to do pivots, I've had to do changes and that's okay, but I'm happy having control of my own life and what I do. I don't, I mean, I wish my job wasn't all hours of all days, but I don't care because I'm, I'm happy. I'm passionate. I feel good about it. And I wake up in the morning, not, not dreading the day. I don't go to bed Sunday night worrying about what's going to happen on Monday. What am I going to do at work? What am I going to do this? Uh, uh, uh. And once you get to that place and it's hard for people to get there, but just think about what you bring to anyone else. You can do a bunch of things on the side, freelance, hourly, whatever, and you're going to feel that much more fulfilled. And it's hard for people to get used to that because you're going to have downtime. You're going to have time when you're not going to be working. 
Um, that's just the way it is now. If you embrace it for what it's worth, it's not great always, but at least you know what you're up against. So, so does your wife and kids say like, wait, dad, what, what wait, I no, well, talking to people all day long. What are you doing? Are you really working? Because <laughs> my kids would say that when I'm recruiting, they're like, are you, is that, are you talking to a friend? Are you working? And they look at me like, you complain about work that you're just talking to people today. Today, I'll tell you the thing. My wife didn't understand what I was doing for a while. And yeah. um, when, I, when I finally showed her when I was on a podcast, it was like, wow. Yeah. Even though it didn't go to a lot of people, but they right. got it. And the other thing is, this is now like my kids are on LinkedIn. They're the mm -hmm. second generation. And my, my daughter-in-law is on LinkedIn. So they kind of get it. Um, and if I had kids that were seven or eight years old, they would probably think it's cool too, that, that dad is kind of up with the technology, right, right. not just like, um, how do I turn this on or that on? But this is not easy for me. I mean, I, it may seem that way, but it's taken a lot of time and trial and error and I still get frustrated. Well, it does seem for what it's worth, yeah. it does seem you're very comfortable in your skin and that it's natural for you. And you definitely have struck me as more of an extrovert. Because I remember I saw you at a breakfast club right. and you're like, hey, Jack, I want to talk to you. And you gave a card. I'm like, that's an extrovert, <laughs> you know? And I think, wow, this guy is really, you know, you know, on you fire. Know, even though it's leading up to that hour getting there and the relief yeah. after we've had the conversation, I mean, it's not nearly as bad as it was. Don't misunderstand. Yeah. But, but I, because for the long time, I think this is why I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. I didn't know what I was selling myself and promoting myself to do. Yeah, yeah. That's a big part of it. If I know what I'm about, I feel better about myself. And I think that's a good thing for introverts. Once you know what your strengths are, it does become easier. If you know what you can't do, don't do it. Don't try yeah. to do something. I, I have this different thing, Ken, mm -hmm. where I have greater aspirations that exceed my intelligence and ability. So I'll try things and I get frustrated because I'm not terribly bright and I'll, and it won't work. And I'm like, and I'll be, ah, <laughs> so I, I'm not afraid to try. It's really weird. I'm not afraid to try to do different things, but like, I, you know, but I don't have that trigger to say, Hey, schmuck, what are you doing? Like, you don't really have that techno technology knowledge to do it. You know, but I do it anyway. I just run headlong into it. So I don't know what you call that. Um, Dunder Kruger effect, maybe? Is that what it is or whatever? I don't. I've had such a blast the last few months being part of things and also just kind of taking it in because after this happened, I, I, I mean, I'm not a doom and gloom, doom and gloom guy with, with stuff out there because what's the point? Mm -hmm. um, it is what it is. And we all on these calls talk about where we are. We're in Brooklyn, we're here, we're there. And this is the this is what we're dealing with. I would love to go back to the city. I'd love to take in the city. I'm not going there for a while. Um, so you make do with what you have. I mean, we, we've had Fridays at five o'clock, we have a happy hour online, a whole bunch of us, just like we might do after work. And we just talk and play music and do all that stuff. And it's want to make things as normal as possible. See, that's so awesome. So you've kind of almost built a family out of it. You know, you brought, you built a whole personal network too. Well, I have the LinkedIn local as a family. I even say that because we all know each other. And it's like, my challenge is to keep keep it interesting. Mm -hmm. oh, which is why I think I talk that we should just do something in, together. I mean, I don't know exactly mm -hmm. what it would be, but we'd have a blast. Yeah.
See, I, I enjoy talking. I enjoy helping people. Um, I do feel sometimes it's rough when you're dealing. I wonder if you go through this too, where you really want to help someone and it's just, just they keep hitting dead end after dead end after dead end. And it's not like a trying. I think because if you're a certain age, there's a lot of ageism, I believe. There's a lot of you know, pushback on if you're at a certain salary. So for the most part, I, I'm with you on that. But sometimes like, uh, it's rough because I, I just, you, you, know, you know, I feel for the person because I don't know how to help them break through what they're trying to do. And I don't mean to sugarcoat stuff out there because if you need to make X and they're only giving you Y and um, you know, you're hitting the, the roadblocks, there are things that, that I, I couldn't do. I mean, sometimes you really need to, to, to look inward and, and maybe you're not going to get the job in what you did before. Maybe you know, age discrimination exists. It existed for me. It'll exist for everyone else. Try proving it. But you've got to look at the fact of what you can control. And it's, that's so hard for people to think about because their identity was with their jobs, what they did for 15, 20, 25 years. And knowing it's not coming back, such a feeling of frustration. And I think that's a big part of it. Get rid of the anger and the frustration and the venting. And we all get it. Yeah, yeah. But, but, but saying it again and again and blaming this and blaming that, that doesn't help. It may feel better for the moment, but. That's a big thing. That's a big, like when you speak to somebody and you feel that negative energy or you hear feedback from a hiring manager that the way someone came across and, and it's so, it's like they hurt their chances and then they go, you probably see this too, they just go down this spiral because they're angry, they're bitter for not, you know, maybe they were fired and they didn't believe they should be fired. So they're angry, they're bitter, they're frustrated. Maybe they didn't have money set aside. So then when they go on interviewing, it, they wear it on their sleeve. And then, you know, no interviewer wants to hire someone who's angry and bitter and pissed off and talks badly about their former boss and coworkers. So then they get even worse because now I didn't get another interview, you know, and so on. And you're right. It's it, like they just. A lot of the interviewees now or the interviewers, they're, they're old enough to be my kids. Mm -hmm. And it's not their fault. They deserve it. And you have to you work within that. I mean, I, I think the challenge is people of my age have to be willing to accept that you're working in a multi-generational environment and it's not a good or bad thing. It's the way it is. And um, my kids communicate differently than you and I do. It's not good or bad. It's different. Just ignore different, Yes. It's, a, it's, it's interesting you say that because I'll tell people too, I think I was even writing about the other day, is that you, you got to acknowledge that, hey, if you're in with you know, everything from boomers to Gen X to Gen Zs to millennials, you got to kind of be open to their lingo, their language, because if you're not, that's what the, put aside the term ageism, they're just going to feel like you don't belong and you're not even making an attempt to belong. Right. You know, although do you do this, Ken? Like to my kids, I'll use, I'll, I'll like find out all the terminology they use. So my kids are Gen Zs and I'll use it and they get so annoyed with me. They get so when I when I try to use when I try to use the language they use. Well, the first thing that happens, my kids left Facebook. Yeah. Once. Yes. Oh yeah, they left yeah, us. They're on Snapchat and everything else. I yeah. Mean, and the, you know, the, I think the big thing is if you, at a certain age, position yourself a certain way, you're a mentor. You can mentor people. You can share your knowledge instead yeah. of like I'm better than you. 
Right, right. Absolutely. Because well, I learn from them all the time. I mean, they were in a, things that they've had to grow up with, we didn't grow up with. I mean, they, they grew up in a 9-11 world and they've had to deal with the shootings and they've had to deal with this stuff. Right? A lot to take in. and It's, it's a, a lot. So that's why their mindset in some cases may be the way it is. You know, we yeah. grow up that way I'm, it, and it's not a good or bad, but it's an acknowledgement. Yeah. So for people to reach you, like how, uh, I, so it sounds like you you don't focus on any one, it's across the board. Yes. And you, you know, and if they want to reach you, what is it best through LinkedIn? Through The best, best way is through LinkedIn. Um, and definitely mention that, you know, you heard me speak. That's probably the best way because mm -hmm. that's where I want to start the relationship from. Um, and we can take it in other places because it'll give me a chance to le really learn about you. And by the same token, learn about, you know, you'll learn about me too. Because like I said before, I want to work with everyone, but I know I'm not going to. But I certainly am happy to give, you know, some conversations and give some, uh, some of my knowledge. And I know you do the same thing too. I mean, I've, I've always admired you as like someone I look up to, which I don't know if you realize or not, but the stuff you've been doing is amazing. Well, that's kind of you. Thanks. Uh, it's true, but but you may not see, and, and and I don't mean that to be glib, but I acknowledge great stuff, and I'm sometimes jealous of that, and sometimes, but but that's the important thing is acknowledging also. I mean, whatever other people do. I mean, and I'm serious about that, and I think people should definitely reach out to you too. Well, thank you, and and so what I would suggest for the because you know we'll put this online and for people watching it. So tell me if this is a fair assessment, Ken. I, I would say. If somebody is looking for a down-to-earth, practical, pragmatic person who has been in the corporate world for decades, knows what it's like, been in between jobs, knows what it's like, has been now an advisor, career coach, career expert, LinkedIn guru, LinkedIn expert. So if you if you need somebody who what you know could help you, could help you break through the challenges that you have, to help you get to the next level, to help get a game plan to help what you should do on LinkedIn and someone who's down to earth and a regular person, then, then I think definitely check out Ken, you know, check him out on, on LinkedIn, chat with him. He has these online groups that are really interesting with great speakers and definitely, definitely look him up. He's a really nice guy, really sweet guy, a loving guy and a good family man and definitely somebody to, to get to know. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the WeCruiter podcast. If you want to check out other great content from WeCruiter, make sure to visit us at WeCruiter.io. That's W-E-C-R-U-I-C-R dot I-O. We offer tons of great resources for job seekers and professionals, so make sure to check us out today.